today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. You know, it's almost a year now. Actually, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the first uh, reported death of COVID-19 uh, back in, in China, back uh, one year ago yesterday. And well, well, we've seen what's happened since then. And uh, we know a lot more about COVID-19 than we did. And on the other hand, in some perspectives, I guess we don't know as much as we probably should about this. And uh, there's a concern here about policies and about the information the governments are using to develop policies. Uh, and And... I guess the biggest frustration now is we all want to get a handle on stopping this. And why are the numbers got continuing to go up? Even though Ontario has been in lockdown since Boxing Day, the COVID-19 cases continue to rise. Well, there's an interesting piece that was uh, published that uh, might shed some light on this. Joining us to talk about this is Dr. C.N. Cial, uh, an associate professor at McCaskey University and Canada Research Chair in Palliative Care and Health System Innovation. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us today. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Read with great interest your piece about this, and, uh, and, and I think you, you really hit the, the nail on the head here on a couple of different issues. And first of all, a lot of it has to do with uh, people coming into the country. We've talked about quarantining uh, and basically putting people on, uh, you know, saying, okay, you've got to quarantine for 14 days. Uh, but we're not very good and very strict about actually enforcing a lot of these rules. And that, as you mentioned, might be part of the problem here. Yeah, I mean, they're called quarantine hotels. And I think we're just you know, in, in Canada, we just think everyone's going to follow the rules, and the vast majority of us do, and follow the honor system and have a great sense of civic duty. But the problem is, we have this policy that if you come in from another country, um, you know, you sign the letter, you declare to borders that you're going to stay at home for 14 days and see nobody with your own ensuite, but we just can't enforce it. And we need to enforce it by taking them directly to a hotel. We have digital monitoring and a severe penalty like fines. And this has happened in countries around the world that have very, very low cases, almost near zero. Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, many Caribbean islands. And they have been able to get to less than 50 cases a day. And they have, you know, Hong Kong is a, has a, over 7 million people in there. They, re, they now have a three-week quarantine because their numbers just reached 41 cases a day. So if, and, be, and because they are able to do that, and they've done that for long enough, they now have people that are able to go to school and, have, you know, they obviously wear a mask, but they can go to gyms, have restaurants. They can get their hair cut. So it is a proven way that can reduce new cases. Every patient zero that's coming off the airplane has a huge risk of having a huge spider web of infections. And that's the big problem. And, and again, I want to be clear with people here. With this, not like some governments suggest, well, let's close the border down. No, 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 no. We understand that international travel is happening, and it's happening to a great extent here in Canada as well. But as, as I was told, Doctor, and I'm sure you've received some of the same data on this, uh, I mean, somebody who's coming from Europe or some other place and lands at Pearson Airport in Toronto uh, and clears through customs, and, and they, you know, you're told, okay, 14-day quarantine. You'll do that now, won't you? Oh, sure I will, yeah. Off they go out the door of the airport. You don't see them again. There's no way to understand whether or not they're being uh, compatible and and they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. That's exactly the problem. And maybe for the vast majority of people coming off the plane, they do not have COVID, but even one person has a huge risk of causing this huge chain. And so a great example is a well-known case in in the U.S. It was a Biogen pharmaceutical conference. Uh, One person had it from Italy. He infected 99 people in a span of two days and over eight months. Those 99 people went to their different state and have 300,000 cases known to be linked to that one case. So, you know, that's 
if you just think of the spider, they just didn't know when they spread it and spread it. By the time the people got sick, they had already met with, you know, dozens of people. And so that is exactly the issue here. If you have even one person every day, you know, a thousand people coming to Pearson Airport, um, they're at risk. And we need to ensure, for the, just think of all the people making sacrifices. And we're talking about virtual schooling and I'm a parent, of, you know, who are, haven't seen their, their parents and their grandparents. Uh, are now being asked to do virtual schooling. Some places have lost their jobs and, and people have lost their lives. Think of all the sacrifices we're making. And yet we're allowing people to just say, oh, yeah, I, I feel good. I, you know, I'm going to quarantine. But do they really? I don't know. I feel like we should make sure. Um, and 14 days in a hotel, that's just the cost. If you want to travel, that's the, that's the new cost. And, and we're, we won't be the first ones to do it. <laughs> There's lots of countries that have done it and it has worked. Well, and I understand that people are going to get frustrated by this and say, oh, come on, really, you know, I get off the plane, I just came from London or wherever it might be, I feel great. I don't know. But as you mentioned in your piece, though, Doctor, uh, 30 to 40% of the people that actually test positive or are positive are asymptomatic, so they may not even know that they have it. That's exactly it. I mean, if we just trust how we feel, um, you know, we're going to be in big trouble. This is like a silent disease. You can't see it. It's in the air. It's probably spreading more because it's winter now and, uh, you know, the virus stays in the air longer. And we have these variants from UK that are even that spread even more. So we, this is not a joke. I mean, we are being asked, uh, you know, we have a lockdown across the city. It could keep going on and on. This virtual schooling can keep going on and on. So the asymptomatic piece is really important. But even people who don't feel well are making different choices. We don't we, we you know, we all have different thresholds for risk. People who don't feel well might might just be like, well, it's a cold, and so I'm going to go to work and and not really think of the consequences necessarily that they're going to infect people, especially if they don't know a lot of people um, who who have it. So I hate to say it, but we can't afford to have even one case. We really have to have a very clear policy, and we've already done so much, you know, to the lockdown. Why would we not take the final step and make sure no new cases are coming in? I mean, the best analogy is like a leaky roof. Right. If you had water coming through your ceilings, you're going to put buckets and towels all over the place to just, you know, control the water, find out where it's going. But if at the end of the day, you don't patch up the hole where the water is coming in from your roof, you're always going to have a water problem. And that's what's happening. All these things that we're putting in virtual schools, they probably are effective at stomping out. They're flattening the curve, reducing the cases. But if every day we're letting in new cases, which it's a never ending cycle. And we're just, then we're just waiting for these vaccines to roll out and, you know, the whole issues about vaccines, which which probably is going to be effective. But, you know, variants change things. You know, that's we need both. We need to do both. It's uh, it's it's somewhat problematic. And I think it underscores a lot of the frustration that a lot of us are feeling. And that, that's why I, I read with great interest uh, your piece that was uh, re- re- published earlier this week, uh, because, I, you know, we're going to get more information and apparently more stringent, you know, restrictions from the, per- the premier sometime later on today. Uh, and you're right, they're going to talk about restaurants and reduced hours for stores and things of this nature. But the, the horse is already out of the barn. I mean, if, if we're saying, okay, we're going to try to stop the spread, but you're allowing people to come into the country who may be symptomatic, even if they're asymptomatic, uh, it, it's, it's, as you mentioned, what we're doing here is really almost immaterial because we're just letting new cases in, potential new cases in anyway. Yeah, it's like we're treating the symptom, but not the root cause. And I think the other big issue is obviously airplanes include the involve the federal government. So this has this is not an Ontario thing. This yeah. is a federal thing. And yes, we have trucks coming across the border and their essential services. So all the more reason why we need to make sure those that are flying in, you know, we can we can be sure that they when they've done their 14 day quarantine with you know two negative COVID tests, that when they when they can return home and back into into society, that they don't have COVID. 
Um, and and if and the places that locked down and, and uh, did this, Hong Kong, Singapore, the places I mentioned, they were for about four to six, maybe eight weeks, they did that, and then they could start opening up business because the, the there were no new cases, and it's like it's like the leaky roof again. They were able to stop the, the leak, and now they're dealing with just the the water that's in the house, and they've dried it up, and then they can start to open it up, and that's what we're trying to get to. Otherwise. Frankly, we're just, you know, we're just always going to be putting more restrictions that are not going to, to, to make it any better. It's all in vain. This, you know, we're already having very strict lockdowns, uh, you know, virtual schools. I don't know how much more we could ask of our, of our citizens and for how much longer. Um, and it's going to be in vain if we're letting in new patient zeros every day. Because there are other jurisdictions uh, that are doing this, and, and and professional sports comes to mind. I mean, we know last year how they dealt with this. They had the bubble in hockey and in basketball, and and you know, and that, that actually worked out pretty well. But even in the other sports where they don't have it, uh, there the quarantine level and the quarantine rule is very much in place. I mean, uh, I don't know if you're a football fan, but I mean, the Cleveland football coach last week missed the game because he was tested positive, and they said 14 days, you're not coming anywhere near us, and they're enforcing that. So if we're doing it for that, why aren't we doing it for the society in general? for communities in general 100 percent. We, we saw it in atlantic canada over the summer they didn't have anybody in new uh, you know for that wasn't that didn't already live there and they were able to have a really you know great summer and uh and relatively low cases in the community almost no community cases no spread and same with the nba you know and they needed to sign contracts that worth hundreds of millions of dollars that they were not going to do that because that financial penalty was an incentive to make sure you complied and it's the same here. We can't just go on the honor system. Uh, we need to make sure that if people break the quarantine, uh, in the, if you go to the hotel, you stay in your room, you do not leave your room. You get takeout food. They have people in the, in the halls and cameras to make sure you don't leave your cell phone monitoring. And if you do, there's a penalty. There's a severe fine. And that is the way that is going to make sure uh, we can keep all of us safe. I think that that's the price of traveling. If you wanted to go to the Caribbean or have a vacation and come back, or whether we can stop the business of policing what is essential and not essential travel, and if you travel, this is this is the new you know this is the new add-on dates that you have to. That's just part of it. It's the added cost and time. This is actually a. a, a, a piece of a bigger picture that I've been concerned about, and I'm sure that you've seen the evidence of this too, Doctor, is is non-compliance in the honor system. Uh, and, and I understand that, you know, we don't want the nanny state. I get that. You know, you don't want somebody looking over your shoulder and saying, hey, Doctor, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, what are you doing? But the fact is, is when there is no enforcement and when there is nobody saying, look, it, we have to monitor this, uh, there are too many people that just say to hell with it. I'm not going to do this. And that's how you get the large parties or the car rallies like we had in Ancaster a few months ago or, you know, the house parties over the Christmas season. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we knock on doors or look through windows to make sure that people are being compliant, but the fact is is it, that we all know that, that there's no, com- there's nobody monitoring this. There's nobody going to do anything about this unless there are egregious cases like this, and the result is the increase in, in new cases that we see. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. If we do this really strong stance, first of all, the, the hotel quarantines for, for a long period, forever, you can't have new cases coming in, and that's but if we do this lockdown for, you know, six to eight weeks after that and the community cases come down and all the evidence shows they come down, then we can go back to opening up. And it's the opposite. It's no longer a nanny state. We can still be, you know, try to have fewer parties and have less people and socially distance. But if you, you know, if you had if you were, you know, one meter instead of two meters, the risk of spread is so much lower because there are so few community cases. So it's like we can we don't have to be in any state and it 
goes top to bottom, we need to be really strict up front to make sure there are no new cases and reduce and at the same time do all the things we're doing, the lockdown, the virtual schooling, um, and it will work. And then we can open up. And that is how all these other places have done that. They aren't all locked in the rooms and having this hotel quarantine. They're able to do that so that they can return back to a new normal, but still relatively normal where they can get their hair cut, et cetera. So it, it, it allows people more freedom if we follow the, these rules up front. And we need policies and enforcement to make sure that we're able to. Well, uh, New Zealand, who went through this protocol just uh, earlier this week, I'm sure you saw, doctor, declared themselves COVID-free, not reducing the numbers, not, you know, short of the, COVID-free. Uh, so this can be effective. Uh, doctor, a, a great piece today. Thank you so much for this and for shedding the light on this. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the time today to explain all this. Okay, take care, Bill. Take care. Dr. C.N. Seal from McMaster University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.